HawkeyeInsider.com, David Eichel, along with Sean Bach. Some breaking news tonight as Iowa is officially a two-seed in the NCAA tournament in the West region. Gonzaga, the number one overall seed of the tournament, and a potential Elite Eight matchup down the line, which would be a rematch from the December 19th matchup in which Gonzaga beat Iowa 99-88. to But we'll get into all of that a little bit later. But, Sean, not really unexpected for Iowa whatsoever. I'm pretty sure they were locked into a two-seed before the Big Ten tournament. They beat Wisconsin. They fell just short of Illinois. But they are officially a two-seed in Gonzaga's bracket, which it's it's a very interesting bracket, I think, to say the least, and a potential round of 32 game with either VCU or Oregon, two teams that have been known to be potentially dangerous in March. But, Sean, I guess let's just start right from the top. What's your basic reaction to all of this in Iowa's potential path to a Final Four, which is basically the big reason why Luka Garza came back and, and Jordan Bohannon, remember, at one time thought about transferring, but he wanted to come back with the team that Iowa had. He felt it was important to finish his career uh, back home. But uh, this this is what this team's basically been building toward, and I think getting out of the Big Ten is certainly going to be able to help them going forward throughout this tournament. They're much more built for it, I think, than the Big Ten. Yeah, most definitely. I think coming into the day two, Dave, you said it that, you know, they were kind of expected to get that two seed, obviously losing Illinois. But, you know, I think the thing that was really interesting, too, is that Illinois-Ohio State game, I think that might have had some more, you know, things on the line with seeding stuff. Obviously, if Ohio State was able to win that game, then it could have been a different story. Maybe Iowa bumps down to a three seed. But I think really more more likely than not, regardless of the outcome of that game, Iowa would have ended up being a two seed. But yeah, I think they got a pretty favorable, favorable bracket. I mean, obviously Gonzaga up there at the one is always concerning, especially with the way they play. I know people will kind of rip on their conference schedule and that they haven't really played that many teams. But I mean, earlier in the season, they had a couple of big wins. Virginia was a big win. They beat West Virginia. They beat Iowa, obviously. And there's one more game that's that's co- not coming Kansas, to mind. I believe, right? Yes, it was it was Kansas. So, I mean, they've they've had their friend. They beat BYU twice pretty handily. And BYU is a pretty good team. Could have made a case to be in the NCAA tournament. But, you know, I think, honestly, like I said, or BYU is in the tournament, excuse me, six seed. So, you know, that's kind of that kind of says a lot about this Gonzaga team. I know, you know, like I said, the conference schedule isn't always as consistent as maybe the Big Ten or any of the other you know, power, or high major conferences, but at the end of the day, you got to look at the talent that they have and look what they did against some of those other teams in non-conference mm-hmm. play, and that kind of tells you the story. But, yeah, I mean, kind of go back to Iowa's region, you know, the bottom half of the brat of that region. Like I said, I think it's a pretty favorable draw. I think Grand Canyon has potential to give Iowa some issues maybe, but I think at the end of the day, Iowa's going to be able to poke that one out. And, you know, I'm really intrigued to see that front court matchup with two of the uh, bigs for Grand Canyon, I'm not even going to try to say their names. I think it's as as born give Mitgard. Yeah, I think that's. that's I, I'll tell you what. That's a pretty. I think he's from he's from Denmark too. So I think that the accent and all of that. I think that's a pretty admirable attempt to say the least, Sean. Yeah, him and then uh, their other big man, who is their second leading scorer, Alessandro Lever. Those two guys, I think. 
I, I was listening to Jeff Goodman talking to, I believe it was Cal Baptist's head coach. I forget the name, but he said that, you know, those two guys are probably one of the more, you know, elite. I wouldn't say elite, but I think one of the better front court duos in the country. I mean, Mick Guard is more of kind of traditional big man back to the basket, has a 70.6 field goal percentage. I think he was like 72% on his two point field goals this year, which is ninth in the country, according to Ken Palm. So, He's a guy that's going to get his looks around the rim. I mean, not a huge score, but he'll consistently score in double digits. Lever's more of, you know, kind of that big man that we see nowadays with that's a little more skilled, can step out and shoot the three. Pretty efficient from the field as well, 51%, 13.3 points per game, 5.4 rebounds. Javon Blackshear, their guard, is kind of the engine that makes things go. Um, real good passer is a pass on defense. Turns over the ball a little bit too much, but – I think what he does for this team is really impactful. And, you know, they've had a couple decent games, too, in the past. They had a couple close games with Arizona State, who I know is not was good, was not very good this year, um, but still decent team, power or high major team. San Francisco, probably one of the better high ma- or mid-major programs this year. Lost to them by five on a neutral court. Lost to Colorado by 10 on a neutral court. Beat Nevada, who I know is not in the NCAA tournament, but it's usually one of the premier mid-major programs, especially in the past couple of years. And, you know, they're doing this all under their first year. Head coach Bryce Drew has had stops at Valparaiso before Vanderbilt lasted, I think, three seasons in the SEC and then went to do, got fired and then took an analyst job with ESPN and is not with Grand Canyon. So, you know, I think, I think Fran McCaffrey hit it on the nose too is saying like, Hey, like, I know this is a 15 seed. I know we're a two seed. Um, I know Grand Canyon. I know he didn't say this, but he basically implied it that like, yeah, like it's the NCAA tournament. Like anything can happen. Like you have to be good to be in the NCAA tournament. I know, you know, one seeds will beat up on two on 16 seeds, but you know, there's always upsets. And, you know, Fran said that, Hey, like, I don't really believe in upsets. Because, you know, every team in this bracket, every team in the NCAA tournament is a talented team and had to earn their way to get there. Like, it's a grind. You really have to be clicking to make the NCAA tournament, especially if you're one of these mid-major programs who, you know, are from the one-bid leagues. So I think that kind of speaks to how Fran's going into, I think, kind of the team. I think that's kind of the right perspective that you'd have to take because Fran has experience at Siena knocking off higher-ranked teams. I mean, they beat Ohio State, who was a four-seed at one point, and they beat Vanderbilt, who I think was an eight-seed, which, I mean, that eight-nine game, you can kind of consider it, you know, not necessarily an upset, but, you know, it's a game that not many people projected Siena to win. And, you know, there was a lot that went into Siena winning those games. I mean, they won the they won the uh, MAWC or MAAC conference title, regular season and tournament. So, and that's not an easy conference too. So, there's a lot lot that goes into it, and you know, it's it's really a long grind. I mean, I know a lot of people look at these games, look at the 16 seeds, look at the 15 seeds, look at the 14 seeds, and think, oh, like. These seeds are going to beat up during all these teams aren't that good. I mean, yeah, maybe they don't have some as talented players as some of these high major programs, but they're a solid team and they really had to earn their way to get there. And, you know, they could be dangerous too, as we've seen in the past. No, and I agree. I thought Fran McCaffrey took a great approach, Sean. I thought when he said, you know, obviously we, he, I think he said something along the lines of, 
you know, we don't really need to focus on every, we, we feel like we can beat everybody, but we don't need to focus on that right now. We don't need to worry about that. Our entire focus is on Grand Canyon, a very talented team who earned their way in the NCAA tournament. And he, like you said, he doesn't believe in upsets. Every team that made the NCAA tournament deserves to be in there. And I think that with, you know, Fran McCaffrey's approach to that and Iowa's veteran leadership, I mean, I don't think anybody has to worry about Iowa overlooking Grand Canyon in the first round. Again, I mean, you think about guys like Jordan Mohane, like Luca Garza, this is what they came back for. This is their final ride. I mean, it feels weird saying this, but people need to hear it too. The next game for Luca Garza could be his last game in an Iowa uniform. Yes, it's against 15 seed, but you need to start getting that mentality that these guys are going to play like there's nothing to lose because in reality, there is nothing that they can lose. And I think Grand Canyon is going to be a very interesting first matchup. Like you said, their primary scores are bigs. They play play pretty solid perimeter defense for the most part. And obviously, I'm interested to see how they try to match up Luca, are they going to let their, their guys single cover him? Are they going to double team him? Are they going to triple team him? Are they going to make Iowa score from the perimeter? Or are they going to uh, put their sole focus and sole energy on slowing down Luca Garza? And I think that's something that the Grand Canyon staff are going to have to figure out what to do. And as, again, as far as Iowa checking out or looking ahead to VCU or Oregon, I, I, I really, I, I'm really not worried about that just based on the experience, based on this is what these guys came back here to do. And this is what they've been waiting to do for two years. I mean, obviously they would have been an NCAA team last year, but obviously with COVID and everything, they had to cancel it. So I think the guys took the right approach and I, I think they're going to come out guns ablaze. And I think a big thing too, Sean is a lot of the guys in France said, yeah, you know, we have a lot of guys beat up right now. The rest is going to be the biggest thing. And I think not playing until Saturday is going to pay dividends for this group. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, even having CJ Frederick, I think he missed like the final seven or eight minutes of the game against Illinois. Yeah. Um, in the semifinal, like that was huge. And, you know, Reese Camp, I thought, played really well in the first half. But, you know, that second half, Illinois kind of find ways to tame him. And, you know, I think Fran said too during the post game that, like, we're not, like, no one's really used to playing two games back to back in two days. So, I mean, I know AAU and stuff, but you got to think about this. Like this is college, like late in the season. Like these are 40 minute games, stopping clock, like physical big 10 basketball. And, you know, going into the game, you're already not hundred percent. So yeah, going, having that extra day is huge. It's critical to getting healthy. And, you know, I was not the only team that's beat up. I mean, I'm sure there's other teams, around the NCAA tournament that would really, really like to have that extra day um, to get set and, you know, to figure things out because that that's huge for them. And, you know, you win, you play Monday, you get another couple of days to rest up and, you know, kind of relax. Like, it's a grind, man. There's a lot that goes into it and that kind of feeds in to the point I was talking about earlier where there's a lot that goes into getting into the NCAA tournament regardless of what conference you're in. Like, I know – some of these other teams are maybe playing weaker teams on a daily around a uh, in their regular season schedule, not in their conference play. But, you know, it's a grind as much as anyone else, just how much you got to play. And, you know, this year, especially with not really being able to do anything other than basketball. 
Like it's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, you have to have a talented team to be in the NCAA tournament. That's what, that's what all these teams are going to be. But yeah, that's, that's kind of all I got for that. Yeah, no, like you said, I, I think that Iowa's going to be completely locked in. Again, they have the group to make a run. This is the year. And I think that being an Indy provides them a pretty decent advantage just because they're kind of used to the protocols. They've gotten used to playing in Indy. And I think that that's going to play uh, at least a little bit of a factor going down the stretch here. Uh, when you think about teams like Gonzaga having to come in from the West Coast. And like you said, I, it was very interesting to me. I think when you look back at the game against Illinois, Iowa was pretty tired for the most part because keep in mind, I think they had to get up at 5, 5.30 a.m. to go get COVID testing, and they probably didn't get back to the, the hotel until midnight or so, and then they had to go play a high-level basketball game at 3.30. So they were really off no rest whatsoever, and that's not an excuse, obviously. A lot of these teams are running off little little sleep, little energy, but uh, I, I that's obviously not going to play a factor in the NCAA tournament. And, again, I really like Iowa's draw when you just look at – I think Iowa at minimum should make a sweet 16. I think they match up well against Oregon. I know Oregon's a very talented offensive team, but they're also a very undersized team, and that has Luca Garza – potentially going for 30, 35, or even I'll say at 40 points against them. It really depends on what Dana Altman and his staff try to do, but that's not to look ahead too much. But I also think that with the way everything's set up, I think that Iowa got a very good draw when you look at teams like, look, Illinois might be a one seed, but Illinois also got a really bad draw, I think. I mean, they may have to play Cade Cunningham in the Sweet 16 and Oklahoma State, who's probably one of the hottest teams in the country. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to, you know, the type of the field that Iowa got. I mean, Grand Canyon, I know we talked about their front court and what they could do, but I think Iowa outside of that really matches up well, maybe able to overwhelm them. Um, Oregon is always a team that's kind of tough. They got a lot of premier scores, a lot of talent on that roster. But like you said, not much size with the Poly Dante going out earlier this year. Um, and then VCU, if they end up getting past Oregon in that game, BCU played a really tough Bonaventure team, the A-10 championship today. I got I got to watch some of that game, and, you know, they have a guard, too, and um, I think Ashland or something like that. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but putting up 20 points per game will be really interesting to see how Iowa matches up with him when that comes to be. But I think, yeah, you look at the top of the bracket, too. Let's go up a bit. I mean, Gonzaga, I think, I, I think Gonzaga's most likely – if they get past that eight nine, I think there's really no. I don't see them. There's no losing. way they lose. Yeah, like because I mean Creighton. You think about all that's happened in the past couple of weeks, and you know getting beat by Georgetown by twenty five. I know Georgetown is also one of the hotter teams in the country, but you know I think that's that's a little bit of a question mark. You might have to raise your eyebrows a little bit that about that. And, you know how that kind of all went down. Um, Virginia is not playing great basketball either. I know they beat Syracuse the other day in three-pointer, but 
they had those COVID cases and interested to see how that could impact them. I think if I, I'm going to go with Missouri, I think in that Oklahoma game, I think Gonzaga and Missouri could be a really good and really intriguing round of 32 matchup. But after that, it's like, I don't really see Gonzaga losing to Creighton or Virginia. I mean, I think matchup wise, Creighton, maybe. I think, I mean, those are two really similar teams I like to get up and down. That's on a hot court. shooting night, too, for sure. And then yeah. Virginia, I mean, that's a horrible matchup for Virginia. And Virginia is not going to be able to slow down Gonzaga at all. Yeah, for sure. And who knows what's going to happen with the COVID cases. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, and, yeah, after that, I mean, I, I think in one of my brackets, I might put Ohio beating Virginia in that first game. Yeah. I, I'm really, really interested to see what happens there. But, I mean, even going back down to third seed, I mean, Kansas, they've had COVID concerns. Bill Self said that Tristan uh, Enuara, sophomore wing, and Dave McCormick, they're starting big man. They should be good for the NCAA tournament, but then they have another player that's out for COVID, and they're not sure where his status is going to be. So that's something to watch. USC's got one of the best freshmen in the country, and Evan Mobley putting up 16 and 8 per game along with three blocks. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, they got talent, but it's the Pac-12, which is a little little bit different than, you know, some of the Big Ten. And But, yeah, I think I think when you look at it, Obviously, there's going to be a lot of factors that go into with COVID and stuff, but I think you look at the bracket and as a two seed, I think you say to yourself, you put yourself, I was in the best situation as a two seed in the tournament. I think Ohio State in the South region, I think Florida, Virginia Tech, whoever comes out of that is going to be tough. I think, I think Texas Tech, Arkansas, maybe even Colgate will be an interesting matchup if they end up playing them in the Sweet 16. Um, you look at Houston, I think Clemson Rutgers, that could be interesting. You got San Diego State, Syracuse, West Virginia, Moorhead State. I think Moorhead State has a chance to be a sleeper team. Alabama, you got UConn or Maryland. I think UConn will end up winning that, but UConn is a tough team to beat. And then you got Texas at the three seed. Texas, I think, could make a run at Elite Eight Final Four with just how talented they've been playing and you know what they got on the roster and how hard they really play. So I think if you're Iowa, you you look at your situation. I know Kansas is obviously imposing with the name, but the Jayhawks have kind of been up and down this year. I think they had a good stretch to end the year. But outside of that, it's kind of been, you know, a little bit back and forth, especially during the – or they've, they've been good to end the year. Sorry, excuse me. They lost to Texas in overtime on the road. And, you know, they haven't really played much competition. I mean, Oklahoma State, obviously, and then you got Texas Tech at home. Those were both home games, but they played Iowa State twice, Kansas State, and then UTEP. They did beat Baylor at home. That is also something I should note. So, you know, they've been playing decent ball lately. So that's that's kind of intimidating. But, I mean, with this COVID stuff, it kind of throws – there's a lot of question marks. But I think you look at that outside of maybe Kansas in the Sweet 16, I think Iowa probably has the best situation out of all the two seeds in the tournament, in my opinion. No, I'm in the same boat, Sean. But yeah, I mean, I, I like Iowa's matchup. I think if you're if Iowa's going against a team where their strength is in their big man, I think you're going to take Luca Garza 10 out of 10 times. You know, to kind of wrap this whole thing up, I guess any final takes on where Iowa goes? I really don't want to get on the bandwagon of how far will they go, but I, I like the matchup and I'm comfortable saying Iowa's at least going the Sweet 16. I, I, again, I think the Oregon and BCU matchup 
whoever wins that and if Iowa wins uh, beats Grand Canyon, I think it could be a little bit interesting. But you also have to take into account that Oregon and VCU are coming off one-day scouts against arguably the most lethal offense in the country. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of people have turned to as well when it comes to Iowa is that, you know, they're a great offensive team that is hard to scout for. I mean, yes, they got a lot of premier shooters, but they got so many guys when healthy that can beat you. And, you know, I think that's what makes Iowa such a such a dangerous team in this tournament. But also when you look at – you don't want to talk about how far you can see them going because at the end of the day, what's the NCAA tournament all about? It's all about matchups. How do you match up with the team that you're playing? It's more often than not a team that you haven't seen before. Obviously, I think we'll get a couple of Big Ten matchups in the later rounds, but in Iowa's case, they're the only Big Ten team in the West region, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that's going to be really interesting, really fascinating to see how they go about those matchups and how they see it. Like, because, I mean, think about it, outside of Gonzaga, Iowa hasn't played anyone in their side of the bracket. I mean, because yeah. what they played Oregon. That was two years ago in Madison Square Garden. Creighton, I couldn't tell you the last time they played them. Well, Iowa probably would have played Creighton if the Gavit games had been a thing because I, right. I see I see the way they would have laid that out as Creighton's lead offense, Iowa's lead offense. They'll be entertaining in a lot of points in a very up-and-down pace. I would have been very surprised if Iowa didn't take on Creighton in the Gavit games had that been a thing. Right, right. But, like, what was the – like, I couldn't tell you the last time some of the Iowa played some of these teams, except for Oregon, Gonzaga, and I don't think Kansas. That's definitely I, been a while. I think yeah. Iowa and Creighton have played 24 times in series history. Iowa leads 13 to 11. The last matchup that they played was in 2011. And Iowa won 82 to 59 in Des Moines. Okay. So, but like, like we said before, like it's just familiarity. Like, yeah, I was a tough team to scout for, especially on one day's notice. So that's going to be really fascinating to see how some of these teams go about. I think Grand Canyon will give Iowa a game or, you know, I think Iowa will be able to win by 15 points or so, but I think Grand Canyon might make things interesting and, first in the first half or so and then I will be able to pull away but then after that you know it's kind of just like whoever whoever you get whoever you go up against like it could go either way honestly yeah no I'm in the same boat I like Iowa's matchup and obviously we'll be here to break down every single aspect of that stay tuned to hawkeyeinsider.com for the latest on that I'm pretty sure we'll do a more put together podcast scouting Grand Canyon a couple of these teams once we have time to Look more into them rather than just the instant reaction. But again, I like Iowa's bracket. I think they have a very good chance to advance to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight in a potential rematch with Gonzaga. But again, this is where Iowa's season is going to be defined. And it won't be anything like Luca Garza's already etched his name into history, but this is his chance to make that postseason history as far as an individual aspect goes, because we saw that. Last year, they canceled it due to COVID. Had a great NCAA tournament his sophomore year, but this is really it for for Luca. And I have full expectations that he's going to be out there and he's going to give, not that he lacks effort in any other game, but, I mean, he's going to 
have the refuse to lose hat on. And if he drops 30 a night, Sean, these first, you know, if Iowa advances past first round, if he drops 30 a night in these first two games, it, it would not surprise me whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. Now that I think about it, though, I'm that number seven. If if Iowa pulls Oregon in that in that round of thirty-two, I'm I had a little bit of a uh, revelation here in the last couple minutes. I think that could be a very, very fascinating game, honestly. But yeah, this it's now or never. This is what you know. We talk about the preseason hype. We talk about you know how good Iowa is coming into the year. We talk about Luca Garza. We talk about Jordan Bohannon. This is where you kind of you kind of cement your legacy. This is this is where it's all at right here. And I throw Joe Wieskamp in that too, Sean. Yeah. Because I I have a hard time, and this is not anything I'm hearing by the way. I just want to put that out there as a precursor of this. But when you shoot sixty plus percent in a ten nine to ten game stretch in the Big Ten season, I really don't know how much more you can improve upon, especially with the way that Joe Wieskamp projects to the NBA. If he goes, I mean, I I expect him to go to the NBA at this point. Again, not anything I'm hearing. That's just my prediction. So this could be a lasting legacy thing for him as well. So, and this is Fran McCaffrey's team. This is going to dictate a lot of Fran McCaffrey's legacy at Iowa. But again, Sean, I know we'll, we'll, we'll come back in a few days and break down more in depth this stuff. I wanted to get an instant reaction podcast out there. So be sure to follow Sean at sbock 247 on Twitter. Follow me at David Eichel and follow at Hawkeyes on 247 and go to hawkeyeinsider.com for the most in-depth complete coverage of your Iowa Hawkeyes football, basketball, recruiting, and everything else as far as Iowa athletics go. So for the Swarmcast, David Eichholz, Sean Bach, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.